hey everyone. Welcome back to Things You Learn in Therapy. I'm your host, Dr. Beth Trammell, and I am really excited about this topic today, both personally and professionally, um, because I think it's something that, one, we don't talk enough about, two, um, we many of us experience or we have friends who maybe have experienced it. And so I'm excited about this episode for a lot of reasons. Um, Just a quick reminder that this episode is not meant to replace the work of individual therapy or family therapy, a couple's therapy, um, but really just a way to um, kind of give you maybe some additional things to think about, maybe to bring into your therapy room, or if you're a therapist out there listening, uh, thanks for tuning in. And hopefully these may be things you can use in your own therapy room. So I'm here today with my guest, um, Megan McCutcheon, who is a licensed professional counselor and certified perinatal mental health clinician. It's lots of words there. You've got a fancy, you've got a couple of fancy titles and uh, (laughs) we're going to talk more about what those uh, mean, but Megan, could you introduce yourself to listeners and then tell us one fun thing about you? Sure. So yeah. So as you mentioned, I'm a, a therapist. I specialize in perinatal mental health. So um, really my focus right now is working with um, women who are either going through pregnancy or are postpartum and, you know, just, just either have a perinatal mental health disorder or just kind of need a little bit of help navigating that transition. So one fun fact about me, I'm sitting right here. I have a new book that is coming out, um, I think, yeah, tomorrow. So it's called The Self-Care Journal for Women. Um, So another one of my passions is just really helping, you know, women to take better care of themselves. I know as as moms, as nurturers, we tend to kind of put our own self-care on the back burner. So I was really excited to be approached about this book because I think it really aligns with the work I love doing. That's great. Congratulations. Writing a book, getting it published is really a feat. So thank you. We'll make sure we link to that in the uh, show notes. So that's really, that is very fun. It is. It's exciting. Yes, for sure. That's great. Okay. So um, interestingly, my um, doctoral dissertation was um, on perinatal health as well. And so this is interesting, not on mental health, but just perinatal health in general. But um, when we talk about perinatal, um, you know, some people may have heard the word prenatal and then we're saying a different word. We're saying perinatal. So Mm -hmm. help us understand the difference. Like what is the time frame that we're kind of talking about here? Yeah. Yeah. So I think a lot of times, like you said, people have heard prenatal, sometimes postnatal. Um, So before, after perinatal is really that whole experience. So including, you know, for sometimes for people, it's that journey to conceive during pregnancy and after, and some of the literature talks about postpartum being, you know, one year, I like to think about it as once you've had a baby, you know, you're postpartum forever. Some of those issues, um, especially if not treated can really linger or last a while. So when we're talking about perinatal, we are, you know, we're looking at everything, um, there we'll get into, but the different, um, diagnoses that can happen, it can really happen at any time. Anything within that realm, including prenatal, postnatal, anytime around birth. And even as you're talking, you know, I'm thinking back to clients who, yeah, came to therapy because they had, um, you know, difficulty conceiving, or uh, maybe it was around miscarriage, or uh, they almost lost their life during childbirth, or maybe it was postpartum depression or anxiety. And so I think what we're saying here is yes. It's all of that. 
And we can think about the many issues that could come up. And so that's part of what I want to kind of dig right into, right? So what are, um, you know, some kind of common issues and, and maybe let's start with, uh, you know, the mom who this is their first baby. Um, What are some really common issues that people may not necessarily think about, right? So I guess I'm saying, what are common issues beyond postpartum depression or, how do you reframe postpartum depression? Because I think we have a lot of misinformation out there about that. So let's just pick any of those things that you talk a lot about. Yeah. So let me, I'll, I'll get into a little bit how I got into doing this work. Um, So my experience was that when I had my second baby, I was experiencing a lot of emotions that didn't really make sense. I was very, I was irritable. I was confused. I had a lot of like forgetfulness and just feelings of overwhelm and difficulty making decisions that seemed really simple. And I just like, just basically this huge brain frog and I didn't really understand it. And I convinced myself, oh, this just must be the stress of navigating having a second baby. Because during my first, I hadn't really um, experienced that, but it can happen anytime. First, second, third, 10th baby. Um, And at the time, despite being a therapist for a decade, I had never heard of postpartum anxiety. I had only heard of postpartum depression and I was doing some Googling and I'm like, this doesn't fit. I'm not sad. I'm not teary. I'm not having a challenge with bonding with my baby, but I just feel not myself. Um, and eventually I, I did, it sort of escalated a little bit where I did start getting some of those scary thoughts that can sometimes be part of this, uh, you know, perinatal uh, mood and anxiety disorders package. Um, And so then I did pursue help and, you know, talk to my doctor about it. But I think I was just really shocked with the fact that I'd never heard of postpartum anxiety. You know, I had been doing therapy work for such a long time and I knew of general anxiety, but it's not really talked about that there's a lot more that can happen because of all the hormonal shifts, um, because your body's gone through so much. There's a lot that can happen. There's a lot of there's a range of mood, you know, depression, um, a mood of anxiety, anxiety, OCD. Um, sometimes for people, it's a traumatic birth. So there's uh, PTSD and all of these things can be tied to the perinatal period. And I don't think we're always talking about it that way. And, you know, a lot of us know what anxiety is just to the general population, but there's a very specific way it can show up in that postpartum period. So that was a mouthful and I don't know if I addressed all your questions, but yeah, I think it's just something we're not talking enough about. And we think it's supposed to be beautiful and wonderful, right? And it's like, you know, I've I've got this baby, we've been waiting for so long and now it's here and they're just a cute bundle of joy. But I'll tell you, Megan, I haven't, I'm not sure I've ever said this out loud, but when you talked about, you know, kind of crazy thoughts or, or thoughts that are like, wow, I didn't think... I can remember a very distinct moment after I had my daughter. So my daughter's 14 now, but um, she was my first and it wasn't, I I can't remember. It may have been like three, three and a half weeks in. And I, we lived in this kind of second story condo and I really struggled with breastfeeding and everyone told me how beautiful breastfeeding was. And it was not beautiful for me. Like Mm -hmm. she cried, I cried. It was horribly painful. It was just not a, a beautiful bonding experience. And I'll tell you, Megan, 
I had this thought, like, what would happen if I threw out the window? Yep. You yep. know, like, exactly and I wasn't, I, I wasn't someone who would ever abuse my child, but this thought crept in and I was like, I am terrified of where did that thought come from? I love my baby. Yeah. She's, I mean, it, and, and like you, I was a therapist for it, uh, about the same amount of time. And I thought, wow, my brain is doing wild things to me right now. Yes. So I have to yes. believe that other people have a similar, like maybe they don't think about throwing their kids out the window, but some, some really big thoughts and emotions can come during that time. Totally. You're so right. And that was exactly what happened for me. It just sort of escalated to this point where something that would normally be a small stressor, just sort of out of proportion. And my thought was, I wonder if it would feel better to throw my baby down the stairs or to slip my wrists. And that's when the alarm bells went off for me. And I was like, okay, th- I know that these thoughts are can be a postpartum depression symptom. And so I think the postpartum depression and the anxiety can overlap a little bit. But the scary intrusive thoughts is actually one of the most common things that I see in the moms that I work with. And we call that postpartum OCD. So it's not the traditional form of OCD that a lot of us know about, you know, hand-washing, checking, ordering. It's more the intrusive thoughts, these these, um, obsessions that just pop into your head around, what if I were to do this to my baby? What if I were to harm them? What if? And um, it's really scary for moms. A lot of times the moms, um, you know, think what is wrong with me? Am I this, am I not, should I not have been a mom? Am I going to hard my baby? And one of the most important things that we as therapists can do to support them, first of all, is getting training on this, but second of all, being able to reassure them that thought is not something you're going to act on. It's just an intrusive thought. And unfortunately, I don't think that enough professionals out there are aware of this. I've had more than one, a couple stories of moms come in and tell me that they talked to their OBGYN about their thoughts and their OBGYN sent them to the emergency room and they were hospitalized on the psychiatric unit. And that's not where they belong. That actually created um, some secondary trauma. trauma. But yeah, just knowing that if you have some of these thoughts, you are not alone. You are not going crazy. You're not going to hurt your baby. This is actually a really common thing that can happen postpartum. And for some people, it can start earlier during pregnancy. And I think, I, I mean, I said to you, I don't think I've ever told anyone, right? Yeah. Like, and because there's so much shame, years. there's yeah. so much shame with it. And there's so much, even just like the OBGYNs that sent these poor moms to the, the emergency room, you know, they yeah. were obviously scared, scared for the baby, but they didn't have the training that that's not what we're looking at. Yeah. I mean, we get trained on, I mean, I can imagine someone, you know, calling CPS, you know, like the wrong listener is like, wow, this person really is intensely, you know, dangerous. And, you know, I knew that I was never going to do that. But if you say those things to the wrong person, it can be yeah, it can be really hard. So, okay. So we have this one symptom of really intense thoughts when you're feeling, um, maybe it is when you're feeling intense fatigue. You know, I remember feeling just so tired, like I'm so tired and she keeps crying Mm -hmm. and she was like a pretty good baby. So aside from maybe these thoughts that now we can kind of put into this, like, you know, kind of automatic negative thought bucket, 
Um, and mm-hmm. of course, if you're feeling like these thoughts are recurring and you're starting to wonder if you might act on them, then seek, you know, emergency help right away. What are some other things that maybe first moms might experience that really cause them distress? Yeah, I just, I think like you said before, there's this perception that it's going to be this great, joyful, beautiful, wonderful experience. And in Mm. a lot of ways it is, but it can also be really hard, really challenging. You, you're going to feel really tired. You know, you're, if you start feeling like just overwhelmed, irritable, exhausted to the point that when you sleep and you rest, you don't feel restored. Um, that's a sign that maybe, you know, you're going through something and maybe this is, you know, a little bit harder than it needs to be. And there's there, you know, I think one important thing is just, there is help out there. You don't have Mm -hmm. to feel that way. If this isn't how you thought it should go, you know, reach out and just see, is this something I might need a little bit more support with? And, you know, I think, getting over that shame is is a huge first step. And so in, in any way that you can reach out to a trusted friend, another mom, maybe who has maybe, you know, experienced some of these struggles, I think I love that um, realizing you're not alone. Um, And, you know, I think you're talking about like, if you go to sleep and you don't feel rested. And then I think back to basically, um, you know, all four of my, pregnancies and kind of after the baby was born, how do we differentiate like regular new mom fatigue, right? So whether it's your first baby or your fourth baby, right? It's like, I I just feel like I was in a perpetual state of fatigue. So how do I know the difference between, Hey, I'm just an, this is a typical level of, I feel tired every day to this is a level of fatigue or, you know, kind of lack of feeling rested that I should worry more about. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, any new parent is going to be experiencing some level of fatigue and tired because you are, you're up, you're feeding that baby sort of, you know, every couple of hours in those first several weeks. And so it is tiring, but look at when you are resting, when you are um, going to sleep, are you able to fall asleep for one? A lot of moms with postpartum anxiety have a really hard time falling asleep because they're so fixated on, am I going to sleep too long and not hear the baby wake up? Is something going to happen to the baby while I'm sleeping? You know, they feel this need to just look over the baby and make sure baby's breathing the whole time. And so if you're finding that you can't sleep, you can't rest, um, that's a sign. If you are able to, if you you are falling asleep, but you're finding that you wake up still exhausted. It doesn't feel restorative. That's another sign that maybe there's more to it than just the normal, you know, tired new parents. I actually really love what you just said. And then I'm connecting it to this, you know, perinatal OCD that you mentioned, right? Um, I've talked to so many moms that are almost obsessively like OCD, obsessively checking the monitor, obsessively waking up at two in the morning to make sure their baby's breathing. They will physically go and put their hand on the baby's chest to see Mm -hmm. if the baby is breathing, even though they know in their brain they're alive, they have to check, right? I, I have to believe that that's kind of part of what you're talking about with that, that perinatal OCD, isn't it? For sure. For sure. Yeah. Again, those thoughts of baby's going to stop breathing and it's tough because there's so much in our society around, you know, back is best. Don't put anything in the crib. So I Mm. think, um, you know, that just kind of exacerbates the anxiety, but yeah, the more you can just kind of, I mean, my, this, this sort of sounds, um, a little bit terrible, but the reality for me was that I would go to bed and I would say to myself, 
if anything's going to happen to this baby, I can't stop it. You know, I can't me watching over this baby all night. Isn't going to prevent anything. And so I just need to get a good night's sleep because God forbid, if something does happen, I need to be rested to be able to be in the right state of mind to cope with it. And I know that sounds so awful to think, to be like, you know, it could happen, but I just had to come to terms with, I can't control everything. Um, me not getting rest isn't going to bring any extra level of control to this situation. And that's what anxiety really is, is this, you know, this wanting to control and we need to just kind of let go and realize, you know, the, the better thing for our baby is going to be a parent that's able to get some rest so that you are present when they do wake up. Yeah. I mean, anxiety is this false sense of, I can keep things in my control. Yeah. Yeah. Which isn't true. Okay. Yeah. So, Oh my gosh, there's so many other examples. There's so many. I know I'm thinking so many right? stories Even just like and ideas. Within the first, you know, if I think about the mom who's a, a, this is their first baby, right? But okay, so let's let's shift a minute to say, okay, let's say that I didn't have any issues, right? This, this is what you were describing. You didn't have issues with the first baby and maybe this is your second or third baby. And then now suddenly you're having all of these symptoms that you didn't have before and I can picture myself, and in fact, this happened to me, right? Where I was like, what is wrong with me? I've already done this three other times. Yeah. I know? should, the should statements. I should, I should know be how able to do, to do this. this. What is going yes. on, Megan? Yes. Yeah. I think that's so common. Um, I, I talk a lot and I teach a lot of workshops on you know, per- perfectionist tendencies and this, this idea for our brain to go down into these negative self-talk messages. And a lot of them are the shoulds. I should be able to do this. I did this the first time. This should be easier. Everybody else, you know, all the Instagram messages I'm seeing of these happy moms with all their makeup on and looking perfectly dressed. I should be like that. I should be able to do this. And just taking a step back from that and recognizing, you know, there, there's no there's no one way that that this is going to go. It, it, you know, first pregnancy, second pregnancy, whatever it is, it may turn into some of these struggles with these perinatal mood and anxiety disorders. And there's nothing that's your fault. Um, You know, you're not to blame. We don't know. I don't think we're at a place, you know, in in science yet where we know exactly why this happens. I know there's a lot of studies being done and whatnot, but one of the theories is that when you give birth, and you deliver the placenta and every placenta is different at their position differently. Um, when you deliver that, there's a huge drop in estrogen. Um, and, and my OBGYN told me that estrogen is a precursor to serotonin. So serotonin is that chemical in the brain that, you know, regulates mood and um, it's what's in antidepressants and anti-anxiety medication. So when you have this plummet in hormones, it leaves you susceptible. Your brain's literally, you know, kind of struggling with where do I go next? And so it may happen for some people. It may not happen for others. It may happen with one pregnancy, but not the others. There's sort of no rhyme or reason to it, um, except for if you did have it in a, in a prior pregnancy, you are, that is a risk, risk factor to be more susceptible in a, in a future pregnancy. Um, but yeah, I think for women, just getting away from the idea that they did something wrong or they somehow should have been able to control this or they should be feeling better um, we want you to be feeling better, but you're not going to be able to, if you kind of keep telling yourself, I shouldn't be feeling this way. So it's starting with some acceptance of, okay, I am struggling. And what's the next step to get some help? It's great. Okay. So we've talked about, you know, perinatal, prenatal, postnatal depression, right? We kind of have an idea that that exists. 
we're, we're now saying to folks, yeah, and it could be perinatal anxiety. We have this perinatal OCD sort of idea. What other things, okay, we've got the shoulds that obviously impacts our level of depression or anxiety. What other things or what other diagnoses are out there or struggles that maybe we're just not talking enough about? Yeah. Okay. So let me see if I can go through and list them all. So, so postpartum depression or perinatal depression, perinatal anxiety, perinatal OCD, we've covered those a bit. There's also um, perinatal PTSD. And what this normally shows up as a birth trauma. So if there's anything, it doesn't have to be birth, but during pregnancy or more commonly birthing, that is a perceived threat to you or your baby, or it doesn't even have to be for the the birthing mom. Um, It could also be the partner or a nursing staff member, anybody who's who's involved and witnesses this and they perceive that there's threat um, can develop PTSD. And so I see that a lot with moms who had a birth go, not how they were expecting, not how they were hoping or planning for um, whatever interventions needed to be used. You know, sometimes it's an emergency C-section. Sometimes it's just like the story I tell for, for my personal experience was with my third baby, Uh, there was a moment during that delivery where the baby's heart rate dropped. And so the nurse was, you know, kind of rushing me to roll over. I had really bad like sciatica pain. And so it was so hard for me to just roll over. And so I was kind of like, I can't. Um, So she was helping me, but I could tell like I needed to roll over. And um, then she completely stopped communicating with me. I rolled over and it was like silent for a few minutes. And um, I think the monitor fell off. And so she was fixing it. And so I wasn't hearing, you know, the, the sound. So there was this moment of like sheer terror for me. Like, did my baby just die? Did I not roll over quick enough? Um, luckily, you know, th- we got the monitor back on, things got back on track and she came to me and she put her hands on my shoulder and she said, I'm so sorry. I stopped talking to you. I just wanted to make sure we got everything, you know, back on track. Um, baby's fine. You're doing great. Everything's okay. Um, because of that experience. And then also my sister is a labor and delivery nurse, or she was at the time. So I kind of debriefed with her after, and she explained this happens all the time, super common. Everything was going to be okay. Um, you know, it was not a big deal, very common. I think because I was able to process those things because the nurse was really kind and kind of checked in on me. Um, it didn't leave me feeling traumatized, but there's a lot of moms where that doesn't happen. Something happens in the delivery room and they don't really know what was going on. They're not able to process it. They don't have the nurse that, you know, checks in on them and reassures them. And then they're left with this, this trauma that gets stored, you know, in your body, not just in your memory. And so if you go to have sometimes a subsequent pregnancy, I work a lot with moms who they're getting ready to have their next baby. And they're like, I'm still getting really anxious because of what happened in my first. So that PTSD is really common. I can think of so many women who, yeah, um, whether it's their first baby or they've seen, you know, stories or they've got friends who've experienced things like, I really appreciate the way you're describing this perceived threat. Right. Yeah. And and that's an important thing for folks to to remember that it doesn't have to be that you lost a baby yourself. Right. You know, it doesn't have to be that you had a miscarriage or you had a, a traumatic um kind of birthing story maybe the first time around. It's this perception of like yeah. even to your point, you know, you just didn't roll over in time. 
right? Like it could be a few seconds. It could yes. be a few seconds worth, but because there's such sheer terror in that moment, mm-hmm. you store it at a cellular level. And unless you're able to work through it and process it, it gets triggered. Yeah. I remember moments, you know, so I, I have four kids and I can remember, um, I had uh, an emergency C-section the first time um, and not really because it was, I don't know, I I was in labor for 40 hours and then, um, you know, they, anyway, it was very, a a whole story. But then I had three C-sections after that Mm -hmm. um, because, yeah, they, it was too soon the first time. And then I hadn't had a successful vaginal delivery. And so Mm -hmm. they were just worried that I wouldn't be able to. Right. Mm -hmm. And I remember being like, kind of in this grieving process about that being taken from me. Yeah. That sounds very selfish when I say it out loud for like the whole world to hear. (laughs) But I just heard that same sort of incident from somebody last week. And, you know, it's okay. You have to grieve the experience you didn't have. Yeah. And I don't know whether it's even logical, but it, I felt angry and I felt yeah. sad that I would never get that experience that I heard a lot of my friends talking about, right? This like euphoria that you feel mm-hmm. when mm-hmm. the baby's born and the connection you have immediately. Um, I was really sick after um, like for like four to six hours, like I couldn't even lift my head or else I would Aww. like yeah. be very, very ill. So I, it wasn't, um, yeah, it just wasn't that. And so yeah. I guess I guess my my point in sharing this story, <laughs> I guess besides to get it all out, <laughs> um, <laughs> is to to help folks feel like it's okay to your point. Yeah. You responded with to me is yeah, it's okay to feel those things, even if they may not be logical, yeah. they're still real. And you can love your baby and adore your baby and be so thrilled with this new baby but also feel really sad about some things and also feel grief and also feel anger at how things went. You can have both of those feelings at the same time. Sometimes the grief or the anger does get in the way with the bonding experience and that's okay. We just need to kind of deal with it and process it. But I think instead, a lot of times moms get, get stuck with the grief or I mean uh, the shame and the guilt around this is not what I should be feeling again with the shoulds. Again with the shoulds. Right. I should be able to feed my baby. I should, um, you know, be able to be all all that my baby needs. I should be more like my sister. I should be more like my friend. Right. Like, yeah. And sometimes, you know, there, there's so much, I should this, I should that, that they kind of push it away, push it away. Mm -hmm. And then baby's almost one years old and they're like, this is still creeping up for me. So my, you know, advice is if you've had anything that's a little bit distressing in any way, just go, go deal with it. And one of the things um, I like to tell people too, because I know moms are, you know, again, putting their own self-care on the back burner, but I know moms are like, I am so busy. I don't have time to deal with me. So what I like to tell people is I work very differently with the mom population than I do with, you know, some of my more traditional therapy clients that I've seen, you know, with other disorders outside of postpartum, um, where it's not necessarily 
every single week. Sometimes Mm. moms just come and they just need like a little check-in and they just need some reassurance and some validation. And then it's like, okay, I'm good. I'm going to call you when I feel stressed again. And when I just need like a little sort of pick me up. So anyone who's experiencing some of this stuff and thinking, oh, but I don't have time for that. I would really encourage you to just reach out and make a connection and structure it in a way that feels supportive rather than another burden. And I love this message to fellow therapists who are listening that the traditional model, right, is you show up once a week ish, you know, for a little while Mm -hmm. so we can dig in. And, and I can picture maybe an early therapist who interprets that as um, what we call resistance, right? Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. mom is, you know, making excuses. She says she's too busy. She can't make time. I've talked about her making it a priority and almost like kind of making the therapy process harder in some ways. And resistance is real and confronting that is real, right? So I'm not, I'm not saying that those things aren't true, but I actually really appreciate your approach to kind of meet people where they are, right? And, you know, new moms during the, the perinatal period, um, may really struggle with finding time and making time. And so your approach to saying, I'm going to meet them where they are and I'm going to have them come when they can come. And I'm not going to see it as resistance necessarily at the forefront. I'm going to just do my best to help them when they're here for as much as I can help them for. I think that's an important thing to realize that could be a great modality for therapy as well. Yeah. And I think again, because it's not talked about so much and it's not, there's a lot of misinformation. Um, I think, you know, sometimes it's really just, okay, I know what you're dealing with. This is a thing. You are not going crazy. This is postpartum, you know, whatever. And we can deal with it. And I can give you some tools and strategies to cope with it at home. And we'll just check in, you know, as needed. And for some people that is, I want to have this on my schedule every week for other people. It's I'm going to make sure I check in once a month to keep me on track. And for other people, it's like, I'll call you when needed. And so, yeah, I really meet them when they are, of course, where they are, of course, you know, if I feel like they need more or whatnot, we'll have that conversation. Okay. So we've been talking a lot about moms and certainly this isn't the end of the conversation, but we're going to kind of pull some things together for uh, today and um, would welcome any questions or thoughts that anyone has. Um, Megan and I were talking kind of before we started recording that it's like, and there's a lot to say here. So if you have a specific question, um, I'd love to invite Megan back to answer any questions you have. Just please reach out. My email address is in the, um, the show notes there. But before we go, we talk a lot about moms, yeah. right? And I think it, that's true and we should um, because the woman's experience is unique and distinct to them. But that doesn't mean that the partner or the male um, counterpart here doesn't experience potential mental health struggles during the perinatal phase. So can you talk a little bit about what, um, what we want people to know about you know, either your partner yeah. or, or the male part of, of the perinatal phase. Yeah, absolutely. So I think it's really not common knowledge that partners um, can also experience some of these mood and anxiety disorders. Uh, the statistic is that one in 10 dads, 10% of dads will experience postpartum depression or postpartum anxiety. And this shows up a lot different than it does 
for moms sometimes. Um, for men, it can be a little bit more irritable, sort of checking out behavior. They talk about sort of men kind of hiding out in the man cave. For some, it's increased substance abuse. Um, it is a, um, there is a common correlation between if the, the mom is experiencing postpartum depression or anxiety, a lot of times that's a precursor, um, but sometimes not. Sometimes mom can be doing great, but sometimes for the partner, they are sort of the left out one in the sense, especially if mom's breastfeeding, sometimes the dads can feel a little disconnected and like, how do I fit in here? For some partners, it, there's very much this experience of it was us as a couple and now there's this baby and I miss my partner and I feel kind of like left out. She's, you know, as she should be attending to the baby, you know, so much. And I'm kind of not getting the attention, but dads want to be strong and they don't want to, you know, speak up and say, so a lot of times they bottle that up and they hold that in. And that can really lead to some of these experiences. Um, I'll say really quick for some, some resources that postpartum support international postpartum.net is the, you know, one of the best resources and they do um, have some stuff out there for dads. They have like a chat with, with, a sort of expert chat thing every once in a while. I, it's, I can't remember now, once a month or something where dads can come on and chat with other dads and with experts who can really help them navigate this. So there are resources out there for the partners as well. I love this. Okay. Um, any last things before we sort of sign off today that you really want yes. to make sure that listeners hear uh, before we go? Yeah. So the the perfectionist in me is wanting to make sure I adequately listed all the, the ones. So the two we haven't really touched on is um, there's also postpartum bipolar. So that's, you know, the mood swings and that can really happen um, in the postpartum period, especially for people who, you know, were maybe undiagnosed bipolar before there's something about this perinatal time frame where any mental health disorder that you may have been coping with, but didn't even know because it, you know, it was sort of flew under the radar and, and you were functional and everything was fine before it can really spike, um, postpartum. So that's another thing just to have on the radar. And then also postpartum psychosis. And that's the one that is, is more rare, but it happens enough that, you know, and it is, it is one of the more serious, scary ones. So we sometimes hear about these really tragic, um, things in the news where there are moms who have harmed themselves or their babies. And I want moms to know that that's really different than the intrusive postpartum OCD thoughts we're having with the postpartum OCD. You may be having these thoughts of harm to your baby, but you're horrified by them. You know, that this isn't you, you know, this isn't something you would act on with postpartum psychosis mom is literally in a delusional state and she's having thoughts. A lot of times it's very sort of demonic or, you know, with a religious quality, like babies possessed by the devil or, um, you know, this world is not safe. So I have to take them out of it. That type of thing with that situation, the mom doesn't know that, that what she's experiencing is, you know, not normal. Um, and so there is a risk. There is an infanticide and homicide or, um, uh, suicide risk there. So for anybody, you know, who's the partner or a therapist, if you see something like that, that is a medical emergency. Everything else is stuff that can be dealt with in therapy and with some support when it is that postpartum psychosis piece, that's something that we really do need to intervene with. And that's why those things sometimes get 
um, confused. People think, oh my gosh, thoughts of harm, panic, send to the emergency room. Um, but again, if it's just the intrusive thought where mom knows, gosh, this isn't me. I feel crazy. I don't want to tell anyone because they're going to think I'm going crazy. These are two really different things. But I just wanted to make sure to kind of close the loop and make sure I mention all of them. But yeah. I'm really glad you did because I think it really does help further illuminate the difference between, yeah. you know, that level of risk for harm between those intrusive right. thoughts and an actual perinatal psychosis. So I'm, I'm so glad that you mentioned that. Okay. So Megan, tell people where they can find you, maybe find access to your new book, follow you on social, that sort of thing. Yep. So everything is on my website, which is just my name, meganmccutcheon.com. It's, it's a long last name, but you'll link to it. Um, on there, you can find, I have a bunch of little like freebie resources. I do run a postpartum virtual support group. Um, and yeah, and my books are on there and you can follow me on Instagram. That's probably the social media platform that I'm most active on. And it's just Megan McCutcheon LPC. It's so good. Thank you for being here. I'm so thankful that you, um, yeah, said yes to being here. And um, if folks want to learn about any of the work I do, it's makewordsmatterforgood.com. And we learned so many things, um, things that you learn in therapy today. And I'm just, yeah, I'm just really thankful for today for you, Megan. I'm so glad to connect with you. I'm so passionate about spreading awareness and talking about these topics. So I could talk all day. Like we said, there's so much ground we could cover here. So hopefully we can chat again sometime. But yeah, I'm really thankful that you had me on. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm still thinking of all the questions that we didn't cover, all the issues we didn't cover that I think in our next episode together, we can definitely tackle because there's so much around this period of life for, for women, men, couples. I mean, there's so many things. And so if, if you're out there and you're listening and you're thinking, wow, yeah, I'm experiencing a lot of things, or I've got clients who have been experiencing a lot of things, know that there are resources out there and that it is a really common time to have a lot of struggles. So, yeah. Yeah. And I know, I think you too, we would both love to hear from anyone that has a topic they want to dive into more. If you have questions, please get in touch. Cause like I said, I could, I could talk all day about it. And I know there's a lot of people that wonder, is this normal? Am I the only one? And you know, (laughs) 9.9 times out of 10, no, you're not the only one. Isn't it so true? So if you have a question, please reach out. We'd love to cover it. And I, I can almost certainly promise you, you're not the only person who has this question. So It's excellent. Okay, y'all, until next time, um, stay safe and stay well out there. Bye.